Welcome to Around the Carousel, circling our industry with the OABA, the official podcast of the Outdoor Amusement Business Association, with your host, OABA's President and CEO, Greg Chico. Today, our guest is Adam Browning, President of Gold Metal Products and Director of Large of the OABA. Now reach on up for that brass ring and join us for Around the Carousel. Well, welcome, Adam Browning, to the Around the Carousel podcast. We're circling our industry. Our our first two uh, podcasters were kind of interesting. We had our chair, Debbie Powers, on the first one, and our second one was Scooter Couric from North American Midway that gave us kind of a Canadian perspective. And I thought it'd be great to try to reach out to some of our manufacturers and suppliers and get their perspectives on, on the industry. And so, Adam, I think you've had kind of an interesting career path that's taken to to you where you are today. So uh, why don't you just enlighten our audience? uh, Where'd you come from and where are you? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Greg. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure uh, to talk to you and to do something like this with the OABA, uh, both as a a supplier and, of course, as a a director at large. Um, Yeah, that first question. So that's that's a good one to start off with. Uh, Gold Metal Products Company has been around a long time. I've been here about 11 years. And I would say my career path is interesting because um, I was one of the first attorneys to come work uh, in-house at Gold Metal back in 2010, uh, which might seem unusual for our business. But, uh, you know, how I got there, everybody has a story and and connecting the dots, looking back on how I got here, isn't something I could have planned for. I, I, you know, I went to college and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do necessarily and uh, ended up majoring in economics, knowing that I wanted to do do something with businesses, but uh, not really 100% sure how that might translate. And um, I focused on a lot of things in college, football and fraternity and socializing. (laughs) And so uh, it was a liberal arts college too. So I was exposed to a lot of things and kind of at the last minute, just because so many of my classmates were doing graduate school, I ended up deciding to go to law school, which I did directly after that and uh, and enjoyed that. It was always something in the back of my mind. So I actually uh, got admitted after law school into uh, Kentucky and then Ohio in practice, in private practice, uh, as a prosecutor with the Kentucky Supreme Court, as a uh, clerk for one of the justices, and got a lot of exposure to a lot of things within a very short amount of time. I had the occasion to work with businesses when I was representing them. And uh, that led me to Cincinnati, where I accepted uh, the job I had right before Gold Medal, which was a, a very large 800 attorney law firm wow. in their litigation group. It kind of focused in on just a couple of different industries and businesses and, and really had the opportunity to dig into what they did and become more of a business partner as much as an attorney. A friend brought to my attention that Gold Medal, who I did not know at all. Uh, was hiring for their first general counsel and uh, encouraged me to apply. And eventually I did. And I ended up here, like I said, in 2010. And it was an interesting months of interviews before they made a decision because they let me know early on, which is what I was looking for. I didn't know that they were looking for somebody to be just involved in the business as it was in terms of practicing law. So I got quick exposure to all Uh, areas of the business from shipping to food manufacturing to equipment manufacturing. I was the shiny new attorney object that everybody 
wanted to talk to and ask questions of, uh, which got me, again, a lot of exposure. I started going to trade shows and I guess just a series of small successes uh, and heavy involvement quickly. Seven years later, I interviewed and got uh, the honor of becoming the next president of gold medal. And that was in 2017. So that's, that's how I ended up here. So I think those are pretty much have been lar- large increases and not necessarily small steps that got you there, Adam, to make a move that <laughs> yeah, quickly. Yeah. And I have to say, too, that we, we do have something in common because I went to school. I majored in economics and communications and wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And here I am uh, running the Carnival Association for the country. That's well, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. what 18 and 20 and 22 year old really knows. But. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't think too many of us set out on a career path to, to be, uh, you know, or some family members do, but uh, really to be in the fair industry, be in the carnival industry, or maybe in the yeah. gold metal products industry. It's so. been a fun ride and I feel really blessed and happy uh, with where I am. Yeah. We, same, same here. So in a, in a quick synopsis, why don't you give us the, the, the history of gold metal, uh, but more importantly, what's your vision for the future of gold metal products? Yeah. So, the quick history of the company, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's 90 years old this year, actually. Its story is could be expanded upon, but just the short version is it was a company founded in, in the midst of the Great Depression, 1931. In fact, the Great Depression, I don't think at that time, being a history buff myself and reading a lot about that time period, hadn't even hit its peak, let alone the second wave in 1937. So a guy named uh, David Evans uh, went out as an entrepreneur, like so many of, of members are here at the OABA, and, and borrowed money against his house and bought a company called King's Inc. Company, which he would very quickly rename to be Gold Metal Products Company. What a tremendous amount of risk at that time period to do that. And uh, just built the company from there. He, was, uh, he ran it until the 1950s when his two sons uh, took it over, and they, and they worked uh, until... 1991, when uh, Bruce, who was president, had passed away. And then J.C. Evans, who many people probably recognize that name, worked. And, and the business just grew. You know, it grew uh, organically, sometimes through acquisition, but uh, over decades, you know, it, it grew. And it had very auspicious beginnings, though. And I think that's a pretty cool history. And, and the vision uh, that I have, which is now uh, this generation's turn to write their mark. And, and I would add, by the way, that the fourth and fifth generation of the third and fourth generation of the family still work at gold metal. So it's still very much a family owned company privately held. I think it's pretty cool that grandkids uh, and the, you know, great grandkids of the original founder are still here. That's great. Uh, So, so we, so we shaped that vision together, still family owned. And I think uh, for running the business, you know, my goal internally anyway is to build a stronger company that's, you know, positioned to grow and be successful for another 90 years. But more probably to your point, from our customer's perspective, it's to increase a customer value. So when I think of value, I think of several things. I want Gold Metal to be their trusted supplier, their one-stop shop, their partner in this industry uh, that we're in. That only happens if our value equation, as I call it, is higher than everyone else's. So we have to have quality products at a fair price. We have to be responsive. We have to provide excellent and prompt service and technical support. We have to expand our product lines and innovate new products. More than anything else, we have to be personally invested, meaning a relationship with our customers at every level. That's really probably the vision of the company when it's founded. I mean, I'm not, I can't ask them and it was never written down. 
but basically to go above and beyond, uh, be invested in our customers' business and do other things that companies can or won't do to support the industry. Uh, but it's a challenge because as uh, time goes on, there's more competition. And this is going to sound weird for me to say, but some kind of competition can be a good thing, but sometimes it's bad, meaning that it has unintended consequences, like not serving the long-term goals of the industry as a whole. I know we battle a lot of uh, what I call cheap, I'm going to sound bitter, but cheap knockoff equipment and the commoditization of food supplies from people or companies that aren't really resourced to service or grow our customers' business over the long-term. Remember, we always think long-term. And so uh, that's definitely a, a challenge, but it's it's year to year. It's not year to year. It's generational planning that we really think about when it comes to vision and planning. Right. You know, and, it, and it's so true. I don't, I don't know of any successful business that isn't based on a, a value proposition and, and building those personal relationships. And, you know, Adam, I can attest even, even you, when we're down in Gibtown, you're out on the sales floor, um, you know, and bringing people down the path that you care, you know, and it also shows, you know, your employees that you're, you're personally vested in it. So that's a great attribute to have. And it's uh, probably one of the reasons that your, your growth is so, so interesting and so substantial. So uh, I should, I should tell the audience that I was uh, at your facility last week and had a tour and was uh, really taken back of the scope and the depth and the, the vertical integration and the horizontal integration there. Um, but what really took me back was the statement that you made that there's really no more than one industry that holds 5% of the diversity of your clientele. Uh, and that, that's amazing. And so maybe you could tell us, you know, quickly who your, who your clientele is outside of the concessions and the carnival industry. But then after that, maybe focus on what makes those two industries kind of unique to your operation. Yeah. Yeah. And appreciated you coming again, by the way, that was a, a good visit. And I was glad that you got that exposure to us. We are very diverse. I, again, no one customer probably represents more than 5% of our revenue. Really, and that's and that's possible because we're spread out all over the world in any industry. I mean, you can go anywhere from a little league softball field to a, a PTA booster, to a movie theater, to a stadium, you know, to a, a, a carnival, uh, to an established uh, amusement park that doesn't move, uh, to water parks, to anywhere. And people are going to be having these foods, fun foods we call them, but food products in general. Uh, feeding the masses and uh, giving people an experience, which is just as much a part of it as as the uh, concession side. And so uh, sometimes that looks like me getting on a plane in a suit and making a presentation to a Fortune 500 company. And sometimes that that means, uh, like you, you said, working the Gibtown show. And I got to tell you, I, I love both of them, but uh, I really do love, and, and we don't have time to get into my background now personally outside of work, but I really love the mobile concession amusement business, especially it's because in a, such a strong sense of community and relationships and family and history. And so it's been positive. And the tradition means a lot uh, from Gibtown and uh, joining the OABA. I knew this was a place where you could really connect and be belong. And there are a lot of challenges in front of us, for sure, especially right now, but I can't think of a group of people uh, who are probably more uh, resolute and to able to take on probably more than their fair share right now. Uh, despite the obstacles, I say the future is bright. I expect change. Maybe things look differently, at least for a while, but at the end of 
the day, I expect everyone's going to be stronger and more experienced, the industry, uh, the individual business owners, and that bodes well for the long run. So you're, you spoke of it earlier that, you know, you're always trying to innovate. Is there any peek behind the iron curtain of what new innovative products or categories of products might be emerging for the mobile industries? Yeah. Yeah. I could, um, I can think of a few that probably cross over uh, for sure. I, I would say generally though, just in terms of being a resource, I want to encourage anyone that's listening to never worry about just reaching out to us directly. We're here to help them. Sometimes our best ideas come from the people uh, who are, are the operators and have ex- the most experience with the equipment or the food item and who are talking to the, the end users. Uh, we want to make their business run smoother and their lives easier and their business is more profitable. And by doing that, we can shape our future kind of together. Uh, but more specifically, yeah, we've got a few things. Um, signature blends, signature shakes, uh, products that we call Sour Attitude and Apple Easy Base. They're, they're not new products, but they're low-cost ways that concessionaires can expand their menus. And people probably don't know this about us. It's a great blessing, but a great curse. We do things that other people can or won't do. We have the ability to make... Uh, things like personalized flavors for people. We've worked with many uh, amusement parks um, and other companies to create their own signature products from popcorn flavorings to cotton candy flavorings. So we try to be innovative in that way, something that may not be too obvious, um, but focusing on existing products and trying to use them in new and creative ways is important. And we have a lot of resources that we've been adding to it. So I know it's not a product per se, but it's a resource and ideas on our website, gmpopcorn.com, that you can take existing products and, and redo that. And rebranding products like the Signature Blends and Shakes is something that I mentioned just a second ago as an example of that. Uh, the Ready Pop Junior and the Ready Serve equipment that uh, just came out in the last year, they're basically saving on labor, ensuring food safety, and keeping the customer interested uh, with innovation is uh, basically a self-serve machine where people don't have to get into the cabinet to, to make product flow. Uh, We're coming out with a new, my favorite one, a new fryer basket, which I think fills a niche and a mid-level segment, mid-level in price, but like upscale in terms of performance and features. And then, um, and you saw the facility, but that new uh, retail ready to eat gourmet popcorn. Amazing. That we came out with um, and we're coming out with now. Uh, You know, it's a product that's wet popped, which is different than a lot of a lot, a lot of other products that are out there um, with special oils and seasonings and uh, coated rather than sprayed on. So that's something that's an easy way, low cost way for people to expand their menu and increase profits, necessarily having to invest in the equipment and the training and, and making sure that people are actually there. Sure. And, and as we sit here and, and speak, what a, what a great idea to have a forum with some of our OABA members via Zoom or um, maybe down in Gibdown or, or in the hotel in Tampa. Uh, but this would be a great topic to sit down with some of our concessionaires and our carnival operators and just brainstorm for an hour or so about yeah, potential sure. things that we can we can do together. So that's that's got to hit in my mind to write that down so I don't forget. So we're... we're uh, we're coming around the corner here, so I really just have two other things I want to talk about real quick. And I know gold medal made it through the pandemic and, and fared relatively well. Um, what challenges do you still have? We're all, we all have challenges right now, but what challenges do you still have to get back to the quote unquote normal, Adam? Yeah, uh, we're probably facing the 
same issues everyone is facing, labor shortage, supply shortage, logistics problems, difficulty projecting demand and what sales might be to be able to make decisions about those things, increasing costs. I mean, it's bad right now. Everyone that I've spoken to inside and outside of gold metal, and I'm talking people who've been in this industry for 30 and 40 years saying it's the worst that they've ever seen. So thinking about normal is sometimes hard because while we're in this situation, it's, um, it's, it's not normal. <laughs> no, it's not normal. So we're, we're probably all battling the same things um, and we're not exempt from it, but to combat that we are trying to be active, uh, pursuing opportunities to re-engineer our equipment, to limit our dependence on suppliers, for example. Our purchasing department is trying to find new suppliers that can meet our needs. Demand, you know, we are not finding people to work, so we're having to rely on the people that we do have by adding a second shift in our flavor department and working overtime in other areas. And that's that's hard over time, but people are hanging in there. And we've just stepped up our recruitment efforts in general We've had to do a significant shift in our pay scale, and we've also started uh, advertising a lot more than we have in the past, letting people know that, hey, gold medal's been voted a best place to work in greater Cincinnati, Dayton, and northern Kentucky, so they should work here. And basically getting aggressive and, and doubling down on investments as well. We we just earned SQF certification, which is a big deal. Safe Quality Food Program is it's a credible and rigorous food safety program that's recognized by uh, businesses worldwide it removes barriers, but also reaffirms that uh, you know we make the products that you should want to buy, and it's a big win. And, and of course, I mentioned that ready to eat product uh, just this past week. I didn't know that I have an opportunity to mention this, but it just won best new product for 2021 from convenience store. Wow! Yeah, so that's pretty. That's exciting. great. And that wasn't possible if we hadn't made that investment. And basically, instead of being stagnant and hunkering down and just trying to survive, we keep fighting and moving forward. Easier said than done, of course. But, you know, that's a mentality that you kind of have to keep keep pushing. Exactly. It's, and it sounds, Adam, just like you have the same set of problems we do in the carnival industry. You know, not enough help. And, and you know, some cases we have to bring less rides to an event. But uh, at the end of the day, it's all about keeping our customers happy. And and yeah. I, I, th- I think I think we're all working at doing that. So listen, we're, we're coming down the home stretch, but I'd be remiss here if I didn't talk for a second or two about your connection with the OABA board of directors, as you said, you're an at-large director and we're trying to make our our association more relevant to members by doing things like this podcast. Any suggestions that you might have for uh, the future of the OABA to raise the bar and and to to make it more relative? Well, as someone, I don't want to flip the script on you a little bit, be an indictment against myself, but maybe others um, and kind of thinking about it a little differently. Uh, Because like a lot of things in our lives, I think the success of the association comes down to the principle of it is what we make it. The association is there, the structure is there, the resources are in place. So when you talk about making the OABA more successful or uh, taking it up a level, uh, it actually comes back to the members. Expanding membership but the members that are there, my question is, are are we willing to be involved? Are we communicating? Are we volunteering? Do we show up to events? I, I know I can do better. We can all do better. But I think if we commit to doing that, then the association will be where it needs to be and will continue to be a strong advocate for the members. So, um, again, I say that for, for me and, and other people who get busy and it's easy to uh, get caught flat-footed and 
let time get away from you. And I know I've heard Debbie mention it on a couple of the, the meetings that we've had, but we, we, we all got to get more involved. And, and I appreciate that. And it's, it, and it's interesting because I, I was actually quite humbled during the pandemic when we would do some of these Zoom calls on different topics that really 50, 60, sometimes 70 people participated in. And uh, I never really, of course, people had a lot of time on their hands, which is one of the reasons they participated. But, but I think it did it did teach the relevance of the OABA, um, the support of people that kept paying their dues and kept participating. Um, there, there is relevance to the OABA and we just need yeah. to, I agree with you, f- find ways to get people to participate more um, and just keep moving the ball forward and, and expanding the membership base. So And maintain that, you know, if people are able to get more involved when they have more time, we just, we got to find a way to maintain that when things pick back up. Exactly. Which I believe they will. Absolutely. So I, so that's great. So Adam, I, I really want to thank you for your time. Uh, I think you got a lot in about gold metal products and, and Adam Browning in the time they did and our, in our industry as well. And uh, we, we thank you for your support of the OABA. We thank you for your innovation in our industry uh, and helping it move forward in that matter. And, uh, and I think I probably speak for many of your customers. We, we thank you for being there in, in every different way, shape and form from supplying to purchasing to repairs and, and everything that you guys, you and your crew at gold metal do to, to make our carnival and concessions industry a better place. So I want to just say thank you once again. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, thanks for doing this podcast. It's a good way for me to keep up my morale. I think one of the X factors that we have to face right now is morale. True. Uh, in, in keeping that strong, my coach always used to say that when everything's equal, whoever has the best morale always wins. There you go. Worth twice, whatever talent is worth. So People feel demoralized. We need to keep doing everything we can to keep building up morale and improving it. Excellent. Adam, thanks again for being with us. See you, you, Greg. Thank you for joining us for Around the Carousel, an OABA production. To learn more about the Outdoor Amusement Business Association and its mission to promote and preserve the growth of the outdoor amusement industry through leadership, advocacy, and education, Please visit us at oaba.org and join us to put the OABA to work for you.